Good morning, Faith Fellowship. It's good to uh, see you. Hey, don't uh, don't fret over the fact that it seems a little sparse. There's a lot of you serve, and uh, we kind of have it accidentally where you all serve at the same week, <laughs> and so that's why sometimes it can feel like, man, where is everybody? You know, and so um, that's just man uh, a testimony of the faithfulness and the maturity that we have here and your willingness to serve our church body uh, really does um, uh, make my heart just uh, glad. Man, I'm excited today. Um, I always am. I always say that, right? <laughs> but man, I really enjoy what it is that the Lord showed me and, uh, and what we're going to be looking at this morning. And so this morning, we're going to be looking at continuing our series on you know, the prism of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And again, remember, the whole idea here is that we would have an even greater appreciation and a greater understanding of what it is that we have in salvation. I think a lot of times with salvation, um, you know, you can grow, unfortunately, to be a little bit over it, especially if it's been years. Uh, you don't necessarily see the newness of it, uh, which then sometimes uh, that can be invigorated really by sharing the gospel. And so when you, you know, when you have those opportunities, man, if, if you've ever done that and somebody actually receives Christ in that moment, that is a shot in the arm. I mean, you'll be on a high for a week. So you saw just from Stacy's testimony of just what it is, these two men, and she wasn't even directly a part of it, but it's just an exciting thing, right? Well, the other thing is the Bible in terms of how it's laid out and what it is giving us is it wants you to know and have a deeper understanding of it. It doesn't want you to just have a surface knowledge of it, which is why the Lord placed it where he did and how he did and use all these other words to help kind of define that, right? And so when we're looking at regeneration, one of the things that we're going to kind of notice is that there's only two entries. But I want to start off with our, our definition up front, okay? And that is going to be this. Regeneration is a promise of recreation, and so now what I have to do is prove that to you, right, from these two entries. But ultimately, the thing that you have to understand about this is the, the most important aspect is it's a promise. This will happen. See, the thing that I love about just the Lord that we serve is he is very matter of fact. And one, if you're not around having to use, you know, legal documents or look them over, most of us have bought something that had you know, legalese in it. Shall is an important word. It's an important word in the Bible. It's an important word in legal documents. And so then ultimately what you find are these shalls in the Bible that you basically can underline and go, oh, this is something that has to happen. This will happen, you know? And so just with that, we're going to see that this absolutely is a promise and again, as we understand our salvation and hope to be encouraged greatly by what it is that we're discovering from uh, week to week, that it would have an impact on how we think and what we do. Uh, that absolutely must be part of it. And so let's look at our two entries. Our first one being Matthew 19, 28. This is Jesus talking to the disciples, and he's saying something uh, really incredible that I'm sure would have taken them aback a little bit, but just giving some clarity 
And I will also kind of point out too, when he's going to use this comment of judgment, we're going to see that also in a Gentile context as well, when we start looking more at 1 Corinthians chapter 6. So in Matthew 19, 28, it says this, and Jesus said unto them, verily I say unto you that ye which have followed me in the, in the regeneration, when the son of man shall sit in the throne of his glory, ye shall sit upon 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. Now, okay, for those of you that are new to Bible study and are learning just like how to divide your Bible properly, it's important for you to understand when we're talking about Matthew, really when you're talking about the gospels, you are still talking about being under the law, okay? And so in terms of this being something where a Gentile is gonna have direct doctrine, uh, probably don't want to pull it from this area of your Bible, okay? That's going to be Romans of Philemon. That's going to be very instructive. It's going to tell you exactly what it is that you need to do in the new, as the New Testament church. But now you can still, this is still true, what is being said. This is not something that we have to put off. And essentially, what now, if I said, is a promise of recreation, we have to take very strongly what it is that the Lord is saying right here. Because he said, that ye which have followed me in the regeneration when the son of man shall sit in the throne of his glory, ye shall sit upon 12 thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel. That has not happened yet. The Lord Jesus Christ will rule and reign from Jerusalem. And we now know that the disciples will also rule and reign those 12 tribes because it says that. Okay, so the recreation is, is that Life as we know it and understand it now will not be as it will be when the Lord is sitting on the throne. Okay, so you follow me, you understand in terms of this is a promise yet to come. Now we get to how this plays out for us. We understand that there will be a rapture of the church where our comfort is, is that this very thing that he's saying to the disciples we will get a chance to see for ourselves and, and witness that and, and have, you know, whatever, some kind of role maybe outside of that, because you're going to really get more definition in 1 Corinthians 6 in terms of like what ultimately our role ends up being. But you will see that. Why? Well, because salvation guarantees eternal life. Okay, so there is something to hope for. We want this. We want for Israel for this thing to happen. But the Lord's like, hey, Gentile nations, I didn't leave you out. I got something for you. And so this for everybody is beneficial. In Titus 3, 5 through 7, it says, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us. How? By the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost, which he shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior, that being justified by his grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Okay, now, so like in your Bible, obviously, I've, I should have said this before, you want to highlight and underline those two regenerations. But you also need to, right here in Titus, need to underline the fact that it says, and be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. So I there was a message that I did some time ago where we talked about hope in the Bible. It's not maybe as you understand it. When we say hope now, it's like we hope this happens. 
but the likelihood of it not happening is high. If, there, if the Bible is saying hope of eternal life, that's going to happen. So what it does in you is give you hope, okay? See, Paul is describing here God's love toward, toward man. It was by his mercy, not by works of man, of our righteousness, that he saved us by the washing of regeneration, renewing of the Holy Spirit. This would be a process in salvation. Now, the thing that we have to understand is, is this. There, there are going to be other scriptures that we can look at and even to just kind of basically say the same thing, another being John 3, 5. Jesus answered, verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Now, listen, this is where kingdom of God, kingdom of heaven, for the New Testament believer, kingdom of God is a spiritual kingdom. There is a point in history where the physical kingdom and the spiritual kingdom will be merged. So you saw that first recreation, or sorry, regeneration, when Jesus is talking to the disciples about ruling and reigning on the throne, that is a physical kingdom that will be on the earth, okay? Then also the kingdom of God of those saved will also be in that same space. So it will be the perfect marriage of those two things. So now for us, in terms of how we access this, you see that it is by salvation. That's critical because you don't get this promise without that. Our first key point is this then. Regeneration is a present state reality that should directly affect our mind and our actions. See, the thing that the Bible wants you to do is to take these truths and essentially that it wrecks your whole life. That you're not trying to like marry who you were and who now the Bible says that you are together. That's, that's a mingling we are not trying to do. It makes for a mess in your life. See, here, here's just a, in, in order to clarify that key point more, Jesus wants, you to, wants to stop you from being subject to worldly wisdom and fleshly impulses. This recreation is critical. Man, when he, is, when he is saying this, that this is taking place, this is why, guys, we kind of bristle, myself and then our pastors that lead us, at the idea that we could ever be over our salvation. It is so life-altering, so groundbreaking. So, I mean, this, because of what, sin does and the penalty of that has to be death and what jesus then has to do at the cross in order to give us this new birth that i'm speaking of like that would be greater than the the construction of the universe because essentially there was no contract against the universe like there was a contract against us you see what i'm saying the god that wrote the contract also tore the contract by his son that's critical, huge. The kind of thing that sometimes when it just hits you right and you're thinking about it and you just say, Lord, thank you for saving me. Man, and it's so freely given 
and so freely not received. How hard do you think that is for the creator of everything to watch that? It is, it is his heart that all of creation would be his family. It's not good enough to just be an acquaintance. He wants sons and daughters. So when, I, when, I'm, when I'm telling you that now, if you have accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord, Lord and Savior, for you then to still subject yourself to worldly wisdom and your fleshly impulses is utterly disrespectful. And because, I, you know, we're going to wrestle with that. Um, just as surely as you will do that, there's grace for you to get right and give back. See, I, we're going to look at 1 Corinthians 6 more and just, you know, it's good. But before we get there, I want you to get this down. Three things that God gave you in order to help you with this. See, it's not enough just to get you saved um, and basically tear up the contract and then leave you in the current state that you were. That would not, that's how we would do stuff, right? Oh, that's kind of actually when it, you know, when we help the homeless and you give them a sandwich and then they put it on Instagram. That's what that is. You didn't change their situation. You just gave them a sandwich. They're still homeless. You see what I'm saying? It's the same kind of thing. Now, listen, praise the Lord. If you're one of those that does that, that's great. It's nice. Probably made you feel good. But I'm just saying, like, you didn't, they're still, guess what? They will be hungry later that day. They still will have no home. That's not how the Lord solves problems. Now, because that's how we solve problems, we think that he solves problems like that. But essentially, what he does is he solves them holistically. So this is what he did. God gave you three things. His word, his spirit, his people. So God gave you his word, his spirit, his people. If in our first key point, we said that, that underneath it, that Jesus wants to stop you from being subject to worldly wisdom. Like I said, he holistically dealt with that. By giving you these three things, why? Well, because his word is the source of truth. See, before you got saved, you might have just lived on in, in my world. Thank God it was, but ultimately my grandmother, my dad is a lecturer, which when I was a kid, I hated. Because <laughs> I mean, when he was driving me home, it was about, and this from Belton to Kansas City, that's 30 minutes of lecture, I'm like, wow. Uh, <laughs> my eyes are just gonna roll. And now the funny thing is, I quote a lot of the stuff that he lectured me on. I'm like, dad, thanks for doing that because I listened, actually, <laughs> you know? Uh, you might think that just family wisdom is, is the wisdom. You might have celebrities or great thinkers, authors, we see this happen with a lot of young people. You know, they run up against these Marxist, uh, Marxist ideals or Nietzsche or just all these different, and they're like, that's wisdom. Well, what I'm saying is throw all that out. 
all of it. I would even on some level have to be willing to set aside the wisdom that came from my own blood if it wasn't sourced from the truth, the actual truth, God's truth. So he gives you his word, but then he also gives you his spirit, the confirmation of truth. So now this is the thing that we talk about a lot of times where you're in situations and it is like an odd uh, switch of your conscience. You're in a situation, you're saved, something hits your ear, kind of difficult, and you feel like you have a moment of choice, a moment of clarity. It's like seconds, right? Like you want to respond and something in you is like, no, nah, you better be quiet, <laughs> you know, or actually you should say this, you know, or whatever. And it's kind of this weird thing. Anybody just show a hand. Does anybody experience that? It's strange. It is a strange thing, right? Like you're in the middle of it and you just like, oh. and the Lord's like, I'm giving the, the, you're on the clock right now. Flesh of the spirit, which, which one is it? And perhaps I love it when whatever it is that you maybe read or been praying about comes back to your memory in that moment. It's just like the Lord just downloaded like, boom, say this, it's this verse or apply this verse. And that's what the spirit is doing. That is that, see, that confirms the truth. You read it, you heard it, and now the Lord brings it back up and says, hey, this is for that moment. You want that? See, there's no way if you just out there grabbing straws, and I hope this works out for me, man, that the Lord is like, no, I don't want you. That's how you were before me. And then lastly, his people. And this one can be controversial, unfortunately, because there are some that are saved that don't have their, their footing and doctrine properly. And so they don't always make the best guys. But again, what you can trust is that the Lord will ultimately help you. So now let me just say this to you. You are an MBT, not by accident. And it's not because we got the corner market on all the doctrine and this is the best place on earth. Uh, no, it's because the Lord wants you to be here. So now you're here and you get an opportunity to learn God's word. You're going to have it talk to you. You can be in Bible study where now you can start learning for yourself. You have avenues and ways by which you can learn it on a deeper level and a more personal level from COD to D1 to D2. Uh, I can't say D2 and 3. It's not that. What is it? Foundation. <laughs> Foundation. Man, they imprinted that in our minds. And I just like D1, D2, D3. No, <laughs> discipleship and then two Fs, <laughs> you know. Uh, and so foundations two and three. So now you go from learning the word of God for yourself to now it switches in those spaces. In those spaces, what you start to consider is could, would the Lord use me to now give truth? So then all I am is a guide back to it. So now for those of you that are new in the class, let me just say this. You know how our vision is, is to establish shepherds and evangelists in this class. You will not be a biblical shepherd without God's word. Okay, you just have to understand that people will follow you. God has blessed you with children. He's given you a spouse. All of us work. 
you're in a neighborhood. So there are already, you have little, little people ready to follow you. But if you want to do it God's way, it has to be that you have his truth and then that you have the spirit and you walk in it and you live by it so that it can confirm that very truth that you heard. So that now not only you get to be a guide, but you now are submitted in such a way in your local assembly that you follow the guides that God has placed before you. And so listen, you know, Pastor James and I definitely, uh, as the, as the you know, leaders of this class, and even just the guys on the, the, the Faith Fellowship Servant Team and our Bible study leaders, that extends, all of, none of us are looking to lord over you. You are God's heritage. But listen, the Lord wants to use you. You, because you have a circle of influence that I don't have. I cannot move to every place that all of y'all are. It would take me years to do that. And I don't have the resources to do that. And I don't want to because you're there, right? This is your territory. So listen, you need to be able to discern do the guides point back to truth? Okay, that's important. Maybe it is that, you know, God forbid something happens and you decide that Midtown is not the place for you to be at. But listen, you better find a church that is going to still point you back to the truth. See, God gave that on purpose. This is how you won't be subject to worldly wisdom. Would I listen? You can't be a good shepherd unless, man, you're a good sheep. You just can't do it. So that you start, so now essentially this starts posing all these questions. We'll talk about one of them here very shortly. We'll come back to this. In 1 Corinthians 6:12, it says. All things are lawful unto me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. You need to understand something. The moment that you put yourself underneath wisdom that is not from the word of God, not ordained by the word of God, you are now placing yourself under the power of something weaker than the very truth the Lord says you have direct access to. And that is a crime and a shame. We shouldn't do it. We shouldn't desire to do it. But yet we do. So this is why, like the whole idea of, of, of exalting political figures higher than the respect that is due them because the Lord has essentially ordained them as leaders. Man, that's it. We just honor them in that way. But again, leave us alone so we can share the gospel and live peaceably. I'm not worshiping you. I, you know. Man, you, you, you sound good, you look good, but I understand that you, there's some conflict of interest and going on eternally with you. And so I have a word, I have a king. I will follow him. Man, same at work. See, the thing is perhaps you are under the power of something else that is making those choices for you. And so you tap into that and it's frustrating. The Lord didn't save you so you could just spend the rest of your days on the earth frustrated. 
Yield. Don't play uncle with God. Just yield. Man, the Lord, essentially in Titus and in John and in 1 Corinthians 6, like all these scripture references that are around what it is that's happening with this regeneration should be points of rejoicing. Not something that I'm like, so Dale's telling me I got to listen to him when he says, hey, you should be a part of one of our, well, yes, <laughs> actually, yes, that you should attend CLD, that you should be a member of MBT, that you should start tithing, not because, I, you know, I don't, I'm not going to see a dollar of that, but listen, for your dollars to be able to grow legs and hit foreign lands that you may never go to with the gospel on them. Don't you want to invest in that? I love that. I like, I just imagine my little dollars, they got legs and like white gloves, like Mickey Mouse, you know, and then boom, they land in all these places that I may not go, but a Bible got made off of that dollar. The gospel got shared off of that dollar. Man, it's fantastic. Man, it's, it, it's amazing the things that God gets us, gives us opportunity to do. And so before we get to our next key point, I do want to just look at 1 Corinthians 6, just so there's something else there not hidden that's very much out front. And overall, what you're looking at here, you're going to kind of see that uh, Paul is challenging the judgment of this church here because what they're doing is they're seeking worldly wisdom over handling these issues internally. And, uh, and some are going, you know, in terms of lawsuits and things of that nature. And so now there's something here that he puts out there that has an eternal viewpoint. I see the Bible is just written layered. Like it has, if you just read it on the surface, a lot of times, and the Lord is so, this is such, such a genius. He can interject something that's future, you know, yet to come, but it still fits the context of where he's saying it. And like, I love that about, which it just tells you God wrote it. Cause well, man, it's not that bright <laughs> to write something that layered, you know? Okay, so now check it out. Uh, verse one, dare any of you having a matter against another go to law before the unjust and not before the saints? Do you not know that the saints shall judge the world? Boom, there it is. One sentence. The Lord just puts something out there and you're like, whoa, this is yet to come. We're not even here yet. Do you not know that the saints shall judge the world? And if you... And if the world should be judged by you, are ye unworthy to judge the smallest matters? So here it is. It's like I said, we have this wisdom that the Lord has granted us and given us. And he's like, you're not even using it. You know, the, the, the gentleman that discipled me used to say, it's like you have an unlimited account, but you keep writing $5 checks on it. Same thing. You have all this access, but you don't use it. Know you not that we shall judge angels? Excuse me, sir. Excuse me. Let's go back here. <laughs> All right. Again, boom. Yet to come. See, it matters what you're doing now. It's a dress rehearsal. 
for what you will be doing in eternity. So take it seriously. Verse four, if ye then have judgments of things pertaining to this life, set them to judge who are least esteemed in the church. I speak to your shame. It is so that there is not a wise man among you. No, not one that shall be able to judge between his brethren, but brother goeth to law with brother and that before the unbelievers. Now, therefore, there is utterly a fault among you because you have to go to law one with another. Why do you not rather take the wrong? Why do you not rather suffer yourselves to be defrauded? See, the wisdom that's right here that's really critical is that is something. You know why he said that? It's because that's what Jesus did. See, he just made a, a leap right there where he's trying to make sure that you have a connection into the heart of Christ. A lot of times, even in just understanding how things work and you want, man, we fight for our rights. And especially if you think about now, this is, so there was the civil rights era and then there's this nonsense we have now. Everybody, our puppies got rights, kittens got rights, whales and birds got rights. I mean, we, we got out of hand, <laughs> you know? We just getting out of hand. We got the alphabet soup group. Everybody's got rights. We don't know what's happening, <laughs> you know? And I love that he just simply says something that is just a boom, hits you in the face. Why? Because it's truth. Why do you not rather take the wrong? Why do you not rather suffer yourselves to be defrauded? Because that's what happened to me. We would never think about doing that. That's not an easy decision for us. We hate that being overlooked and passed up but we forget that the Lord exalts. Verse eight, now you do wrong and defraud and, that, and your brother. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. So these that you put yourselves in subjection to, they're not the ones that's gonna be running the show. Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God, spiritual kingdom. And such were some of you, but ye are washed, but ye are sanctified, but ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the spirit of our God. See, that's a hallelujah moment. There was a position that you were. And this is why the whole idea of intermingling that previous truth that you live by and just this is how I handle it. And they don't know me. You don't talk to me like that. You know, you get out of the car ready for action. And the Lord is like, hey, calm down. <laughs> okay. You ready to mishandle? You've been in the mirror all day getting ready and dressed. And if they say this to me, I'm going to say this. It's rehearsed. And the Lord is like, lose it. Lose it. Be defrauded. Be quiet. Study to be quiet. This is why this truth is in the Bible. Because why? We wouldn't engage it otherwise. And so listen, this leads me to our next key point. Regeneration creates within us the question of who am I? Regeneration, as now we understand it, we know that it is a promise of recreation. It poses a question, who am I? 
See, I don't get to keep telling the Lord and everybody else, well, this is just how I am. Because essentially, that means that I am now adopting what I previously was and not who the Lord says that I am. Well, that's just how I am. That's why I don't come to Bible study. That's just how I am. So I don't come to church. That's how I am. That's why I can't be in discipleship. That's just me. Sorry, I blew off, cut your head off with words. That's just how I am. No. Not according to the Bible. See, get this, write this down. Conforming to the image of Christ means I will never stop changing. I'll say it again. Conforming to the image of Christ means I will never stop changing. See, you thought it was just old age. It's not. The circumstances that you face day to day, week to week, month to month, year to year, are all in lockstep with you being conformed to the image of Christ. And of this group, of this group, I know we have some very difficult things individually that we are dealing with. And I am telling you right now that the Lord's intention with that trial, with that difficulty is to conform you to his image. Your response is paramount. You must respond in faith. You must revisit those three things that God gave. His truth, the confirmation of his truth, and the guides to truth. The minute that you remove yourself from any one of those, you are cooked. The easiest thing to really start with is once you withdraw. Okay, if I remove myself from accountability, if I remove myself from attending and being a part of a local church, or now let's say faith fellowship, or now let's dial it down. Bible study, dial it down again. Discipleship, the devil is getting me. And he's luring me away. Because listen, I, in case you didn't notice, do you remember how easy it was for you to not go to church once COVID happened? Super easy. It was easy not go to work. It was like, I got to go back. This is like adult recess. What are we? It was hard, right? To jumpstart that back. Your flesh is a wicked thing. It cannot be trusted. It is <laughs> lipstick on a pig. Pigs are ugly animals. I don't care. Now, they taste very good. <laughs> Delicious. <laughs> okay. I'm not a ham guy, but bacon, praise the Lord. Pulled pork, ribs. Mm. Anybody, are we hungry? <laughs> See, I, man, I want you to get this. Conforming to the image of Christ means I will never stop changing. What I want you to do is challenge that notion that you're fighting for comfort all the time. 
fighting for safeties. Now, listen, I have a, you know, a pension plan, annuity, the way things are set up for me at work. That's wise to do. I, you know, should the Lord Terry is coming. Um, I want there to be resources there so that, you know, I can go and visit my brother Mark in Tampa, and Mike, you know, in Boston and, and check on their churches and be a part of whatever MBT, you know, asked me to do. And, and so I want to be able to do that and kind of not have to worry about where the money's coming from, right? So I'm storing up resources for that. But do I put my full trust in that? No. No, we know how things work. In any moment, you know, uh, obviously America is facing, you know, financial hardships and has uh, greatly. Do you think in a depression that the Lord somehow uh, stopped the believers from experiencing that hurt? The whole nation felt that. So, yeah, the Lord says, hey, be wise, be ready. Look, you know, uh, pay attention to what's happening. Listen to your news, right? But ultimately, uh, I don't get worked up about those things. I don't have a bunker somewhere that we're going to have faith fellowship and some steel barrier thing. I don't. We will have church here. And when they tell us we can't have it here, we'll figure that out. <laughs> you know? I just, you got to be flexible, guys. You got to be flexible. Stop fighting for comfort. And allow the Lord to conform you and move you and change you into who it is that he wants you to be. Because that means that you are the most fit vessel for the job. The Lord, unlike welders, where everything is a hammer, actually has hammers and wrenches and doesn't mix the two. <laughs> you know, for welders, I'm telling you, if this water bottle is close enough by and I need it, I will use it to hammer in something. It's not going to work. But I'll still try it. That's not how the Lord operates. So he's got something unique for each of you. And you don't have to worry about, oh, well, am I going to be the next uh, fellowship leader or whatever? Some of you, maybe. Some of you, maybe not. But the thing you don't want to keep doing is sabotaging your own walk by falling underneath this worldly wisdom. You don't, you're not woke. You're not a feminist. You're not a masculinist. You're a biblicist. You cannot get any more awake than that. Romans 12, 2. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Your purpose, believer, is for you to show that to the world, not how great you are. See, this is why it's foolish for us to worship celebrities. And the interesting thing about when you listen to celebrities like towards the end of their career or whatever, man, they hate being celebrities. Like they would kind of like to be normal again, but still have the accolades that they've achieved, but not, you know, they can't go Patrick Mahomes just can't come in here without the, it causing a stir. If he just sat down right here, you would stop listening to me. Because he just won the Super Bowl. And he's got the nice little curly hair. I don't. You're like, Dale, you don't have any hair? I'm going to stop listening. 
That's just how that, that's just how that goes, but we don't have to worship them. Colossians 3.10, get that down. It says, and I have put on the new man. Oh, wait a minute. I have put on the new man. It's almost as if the Lord has changed your wardrobe. And I put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. That's the Lord's intention. And so, listen, I want to I want to submit to you that that is easier said than done. Right. Paul writes about this in his own struggle. We probably have this on the board here. You guys know it. Romans 7, 21 through 25. I find then a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me, for I delight in the law of God after the inward man. But I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? Now listen, if I stop right there, I am hopeless. I would just, basically my conclusion is, I can't do it, Lord, I give up. And some people take that route because they haven't considered the very next verse that says this, I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with the mind, I serve myself the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. The thing is, is I can still, even realizing that I am wretched, I can still have a heart that says I am thankful for God, that even though I realize the depths of my depravity, there is something greater for me to have hope in. It is not within me. See, that's the point that I'm trying to get you to. Don't let these circumstances and situations and trials that you're facing dictate how to view the Lord Jesus. Be thankful that he is there. He is the rescuer. I know that what you're going through seems impossible, and you have no idea how this is going to work out. You have no idea. It looks hopeless. You might be hungry. You might be, you know, I, I don't have like shelter. My relationship with my spouse is, I, eh, my kids are going crazy. And the thing is, is that essentially, it's like the enemy is saying, yeah, give up. Man, don't spend your life constantly trying to figure out ways to not be in front of God. Be in front of him. These situations are for you to bend your knee. There's nothing like it. It's nothing like a desperate prayer to the God of everything that says, I hear you and I can call you by name. I hear you. I see it. One of the most lovely things that I believe that the Lord wrote in scripture, there's so many, but is that when he told Moses, I have seen it. That's why I'm coming down here to do something. I've heard their cry. Do you think that the Lord enjoyed watching Israel struggle and have to make their own bricks? No. That's why he said, I've come to do something about it. And Moses, I'm just going to use you. And Moses didn't hear that. All he did was see the work, and he's like, I'm out. And we do the same thing. These things, these impossible mountains that God is allowing in your life, the Lord is like, hey, I see it. 
and I'm going to move it. But you got to trust me. That's what having new birth is. Because before Jesus, y'all listen, you were hopeless. You had nowhere to turn. And now the Lord is saying, man, you got me. If you tap me in, the match is over. More than conquerors. Conquerors. That's a, first of all, it's a lot of letters. But second of all, <laughs> it's a big word. So don't give up. There is hope. Last key point. Regeneration is a promise. And I said it in our definition, but it needs to be repeated again that you understand that regeneration is a promise. But that promise is only for the saved. And so here it is. If you do not have Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you, have, you don't believe in the death, burial, and resurrection, then you don't have this promise. It is from that position that you will only be granted this promise of being recreated and that you would realize that you are a sinner separated from him and that Jesus Christ bridged that gap and that you would call on him in repentance and ask for forgiveness of your sins and say, Lord, I believe that you are who you said you are. And the Lord will say, well, come on in. I've been waiting for you. See, regeneration is his promise. And spiritually, he gave us his spirit. But listen, but soon he will give us new bodies and a new home. Man, you know that thing, when you turn 40, somebody told me that, probably my grandmother. You know, I would tease her. This is very mean, but I would tell her she liked it because she's kind of a funny. She had a great sense of humor. And I said, Grandma, the only thing older than you is Ford and General Motors. <laughs> and at the time, that was true. <laughs> because they're about 110 years old. And when she died, she was 93. <laughs> and so that was true. And she kind of chuckled. She just said, keep living. So I did. And then you just went to pick up something at 40. And you're like, why does my back hurt? This is stupid. This thing is deteriorating. It don't matter how much weights you lift, you eat all the cruciferous vegetables. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You are dying. And praise the Lord that the Lord, because he's a holistic God, he said, hey, I got you spiritually, but I got you physically. I'm going to change your address. You get to live with me. 1 Corinthians 15, 52 through 58. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trump shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. So then we would say this, oh, death, where is thy sting? Oh, great, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin. The strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And so here's my parting thought. Therefore, my beloved, 
brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we are just thankful uh, for what it is that you have done for us, Lord, in this. You have recreated us. We've been, the new birth has taken place, Lord, and now we are more than just uh, tolerable to be around. Lord, we are sons and daughters. And uh, I, I can't get over that. I mean, I can't even really just fathom it outside of the, the words and the eloquence by which you wrote this, but Father, help us to just really like process this and place this down in our hearts. Lord, we have to live by this truth. And so, Father, I pray that we would just set aside this wisdom that we've amassed from living uh, even the amount of life that we have, and that, Lord, that we would put your truth, your truth as paramount that we would yield and submit ourselves to the leading of the Holy Spirit, that we would submit ourselves to the structure of this local assembly, that Lord, that everything would confirm and point back and just, it'd be this cycle where we would just be protected by truth. Father, I pray that this group and that we would understand that uh, truth is here in this place and there is a circle protection that comes with that. And so Father, would you, uh, Lord, just help us to remember that, to appreciate it, and to say thank you uh, in those moments. Lord, be with us in the difficulties of our life. Um, remind us that you are there. I believe you said that to us this morning. And so, Lord, I pray that we are comforted. Uh, help us, dear Father. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.